1: The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes.
0: Ch-ch-chumba.
1: ChumbaCasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary, where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website
1: for details. As the turn of the 20th century settled, America found itself world leaders in steel and oil production and at the center of the technological achievements and discoveries that would carry the world forward for the next century. In 1904, Theodore Roosevelt won his first presidential election after taking over the White House, following President McKinley's assassination in 1901. Henry Ford, 12 years after creating his first gasoline-powered engine, would set the new land speed record by driving the rechristened 999, 91.37 miles per hour, on an ice track carved into Lake St. Clair's Anchor Bay. The U.S. Army would begin work on the Panama Canal. In London, Peter Pan premiered on stage. The year also saw the birth of Salvador Dali and Dr. Seuss. Longacre Square was renamed as Times Square. And on New Year's Eve 1904, for the first time, people celebrated the turn of the calendar there. But our story starts and ends in the Midwest, where St. Louis was hosting the Louisiana Purchase Exposition, or St. Louis's World Fair. The event, which featured more than 60 countries, including exhibits from 43 of the 45 states, was attended by 19.7 million people and cost over $15 million, saw the mass public expose the novel new ideas of technology. St. Louis's World Fair played host to the first public display of the X-ray machine. Attendees were also given their first view of a wireless phone that transmitted messages from inside the fair's Palace of Electricity to a telephone receiver out in the courtyard. The creator, Alexander Graham Bell. But alongside hosting a World's Fair, the city of St. Louis wanted to host another international event, the Olympics. This would be just the third modern Olympic Games and the first hosted by the United States. The 1904 bid was initially given to Chicago, a city that St. Louis rivaled with over being the heart of the Midwest and the hub of American transport. But when a rich St. Louis citizen threatened to hold a competing sporting event, the Olympics were handed over to the gateway of the West at the time travel costs were incredibly high and many athletes from europe were unable to make the trek across the atlantic usa won 239 gold medals that year the next closest country germany just 13. in no other competition was the podium so representative as the 1904 olympic marathon all three runners to medal were from the united states but our story is not about american athletic domination instead It is about American greed and the sometimes cruel nature of scientific experiments. It is about grueling heat and dog chases. It's about abandoned peaches and bad apples. And for our champion that day, Thomas Hicks, it was about surviving the 130-degree heat index and 26-mile run thanks to an elixir of brandy, egg whites, and rat poison. Let's get weird sports. Hello and welcome to the first edition of Let's Get Weird Sports, Tales of Weird Sports. Tonight, you are here with me, Casey Bartley, and Paul M. Banks of the sportsbank.net and we are going to tell you why rat poison and brandy should be the cocktail of St. Louis. But first, Paul, how are we doing tonight?
0: I'm doing great. How are you? I'm excited to get this started.
1: I am too. You know, we've been talking about this for a few months privately, and I, I, I think... I think we're starting off with the big bang. This story is pretty crazy. But before we get into that, it's summer. We're no longer cold. What have you been doing to enjoy it?
0: I've been out at the pool. I've been swimming laps. I've been um, out running a little bit. Not running when it's too hot out, which will go into our story later today. Later tonight, we'll get into that. But I've been doing a lot of traveling, and, it, and it's good to be home now. And I, um, I went away on two trips, and both had a Purdue theme, actually.
1: Yeah, you... You went, I do believe, to what, Spain?
0: Right. So I'm at the gate at O'Hare um, getting ready to go to Barcelona, and there's three girls in a Purdue Athletics t-shirt. And I, I'm like, what sport do you guys play? And they're like, cheerleading. I'm like, oh, okay.
1: National champions then?
0: They were off to – is Purdue cheerleading national champion? Uh, I, they
1: won the national title last year.
0: Well, you know, that. good for them for being – That would have
1: been good knowledge for you to have at that moment.
0: Yeah, I, I would I, – that instead of, instead of telling them that I'm a regular on the Hammer and Racing <laughs> podcast,
1: I, yeah, I would have led with I was impressed by your campaign towards the title last year.
0: <laughs> so, um, so they're at this gate, and then like a bunch of kids show up. So, then we moved to the actual gate we should be at, and our, our 10 p.m. flight did not leave O'Hare until one or two in the morning. And I've never seen any entity that could make cheerleaders like lethargic or not enthusiastic or unexcited but by that time we left they were all just like because we're first i'm like where's this plane there's no plane at our gate and um yeah american airlines this is on you we're calling you out um and then we get like a Paul,
1: can, can i just say this is our first episode we're still looking for sponsors let's not throw any airline under the bus yeah <laughs>
0: Oh, and I guess I can't talk about Iberia here on the way back then but um so we get like the third choice plane that was supposed to be in a hangar overnight and it has no in-flight entertainment because our four hour delay would be an extra ten hours to download all the entertainment and I am just like, hey, I said to the the cheerle- I said to the cheerleaders, we're going to Barcelona, boiler up. they're like, yeah, whatever, just like, get there in one piece
1: there were. Couldn't you just let them, like, enjoy not being in pom-poms and having to hoorah every second?
0: Well, I just was like, hey, after all we've been through sitting at this gate, (laughs) to their credit, the airline gave us, like, meal vouchers in the food court. I thought, like, hey, look, there's an actual plane at the gate. We're actually going to Barcelona, na-na-na. Oh, Apple, my heart is in Barcelona, na-na-na. All right, that song's about Havana, but you get the idea, no, they were just kind of like typical millennials on their phones and their:
1: Oh kids. Paul. Buddy, we're, we're on a podcast. We, we need people on their phones constantly.
0: <laughs> so then my, my second trip was to the Indy 500, and that is interwoven into the fabric of Purdue as um, approaching 100, 100 appearances by the Purdue marching band. Yeah. That's um there's Where did
1: you watch it from? You were up in like a suite, right?
0: No, no, I was not I was in a covered seat, like actual grandstand, which is cool. If I was in the sun, I'm not sure I'd be here right now.
1: (laughs) Can I tell you a secret? Like I'm from Indiana. I'm from Lafayette, thirty years mostly spent in the state. I've never been to an Indy five hundred.
0: Wow. You may have to have your Hoosier card revoked.
1: That's fine. I I can't get up for racing. I, I just I can't.
0: You don't want to go just even once for the spectacle, though?
1: I see drunk, dumb white people everywhere. They're not rare.
0: Yeah, but this is like, these are guys wearing t-shirts that say America, World War champions, and Kid Rock for Senate hats. Like, this is another level.
1: Look, you live up in Chicago where it's all nice and fancy, and you can go find all your hipster friends everywhere. I live in the heart of this. They're all over the place.
0: It's a fair point. That's a very, that's, that makes perfect sense. I, that is unassailable. Like, I can't argue against that.
1: Like, I know like 20 people off the top of my head that could be like, you know where they're at this weekend? They're at the dirt track race down in Seymour.
0: Just the fact that it's dirt and it's racing kind of tells you everything. That's
1: real racing. Let me tell you, okay? That is real racing.
0: Have you been to Anderson? We tried to go last year, but.
1: I went to one race. I've been to one race. It was in Kokobo. I got hit in the face with flying dirt at like 70 miles per hour. And the cars went fairly slow. I was unimpressed all around.
0: Well, I'm not a big racing guy. It's not that exciting, but I do enjoy. Um,
1: Did you get drunk at the Indy 500?
0: Oh, I think that goes without saying.
1: So you live, you lived it at least. Oh yeah,
0: of course. I, I, yeah. I mean, I've, I've done three of them, and you know, you got to get up so early. It's not hard to, um, it's not hard to get drunk when you get an early start and everything.
1: As fun as racing in cars is, my favorite racing. This is not true. Normally, do not care about marathons, cross-country, running. It also seems boring. But let us tell you a story about the 1904 Olympic Marathon, which was the least boring race of all time.
0: I love that segue. Yes, it was the most exciting race. It's just a shame it was before the days of TV and smartphones because... This was one you wanted to see.
1: Yeah, it would have it would have broke the internet like 25 times. And, and by me saying, let me tell you about it, I mean, let my buddy Paul here, who has been, he first introduced this story on a Hammer and Rails podcast probably about half a year ago. And we derailed for 20 minutes. And it was this one story that was so good that it spawned the origin of this podcast.
0: I think we were talking about one miserable basketball game that was just completely off the rails, and I said, "Oh, it's well, it's like St. Louis Summer Olympic Marathon, in which now everyone will learn why brandy and rat poison should be the official drink of the state of Missouri, because it's it's a race in which a man who was not sanctioned by any country and who was penniless and took a nap in the middle of it." <laughs> He finished fourth, and he took a nap in the middle of it. There's another guy who got in a car for part of it, and then got out, and he tried to get away with winning, but then
1: they nearly put the gold medal on him. Yep. So I think I think without further ado,
0: all right, let's get. The
1: I think Paul's going to tell us when sports gets weird. This is what happens.
0: All right, so I've cracked open an apple brandy in honor of Thomas Hicks, the winner. Eventual winner of this race, who was given brandy during it. Um,
1: What are you mixing your brandy with? Because if you really wanted to stay on story,
0: tonic water.
1: (laughs) Not what I would have chosen.
0: It's called an apple fizz or something online. I I don't know. Sure it is. Well, whatever. Um, I'm not a bartender. I'm a I'm a storyteller. But uh, (laughs) at least at least for this night I am. So it all started um, when my hometown had the Olympics. They, they were handed the third... This is the third Olympics ever in history. And it's the first in the United States. And,
1: modern Olympics.
0: Right, yeah. Modern modern Olympics. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but,
1: you get a lot of Greece listeners, okay?
0: Uh, I'm sure. They would be up in arms. You'd have some, some mean tweets to answer. <laughs> so, um, this is just another chapter in the storied rivalry between St. Louis and Chicago and why... Those people down there hate us so much, and sometimes I guess we hate them, but most of the times we don't think of them because they're um, – but this is from i time- –
1: I'm going to call time timeout. You're sounding way too much like an IU fan talking about Purdue. Just settle a little bit on this just ignoring the other person thing.
0: Well, what we're getting into is a, is a different world completely because this is when Chicago and St. Louis were legitimate rivals and on par with one another. Okay. Um, This is a time when, you know, Chicago decided to go all in with the railroads and become the major rail hub of the nation, or certainly in the Midwest. And St. Louis decided to heavily invest in riverboats. And you can imagine how that turned out. Yeah. So so Chicago gets gets the Olympics. And to be fair, it may have been a total shit show if we hosted it anyway when I saw, you know, because we were up for the Olympics in 16 and Rio got it and kind of seeing what happened there, I think we may have dodged a bullet on that one. I don't think it's the end of the world, but I'm not a fan of how St. Louis got this Olympics away from us. There's a man named James Edward Sullivan. And remember that name because he comes up again towards the end here. He's the villain of our story and for different reasons. He decided to get the AAU – Amateur Athletic Association. So, Chicago's been planning these Olympics for two years. Um, They're scheduled for 1904. St. Louis was having a World's Fair in 1903 to celebrate the centennial of the Louisiana Purchase. But they postponed it to 1904. But then, when they've got this going on, they decided... They're gonna. The idea was there's this World's Fair in St. Louis. The Olympics are in Chicago. This is gonna like. This is gonna cause uh, cannibalization when you've got these two major events competing with one another. So this this James Sullivan guy. It's the AAU, which at this time is like track and field. It's just the best track and field. Athletes in the entire world are in the AAU and he, he poured $6 million into it, which in those days, I mean, the rate of inflation and everything. So he's got this major track and field championships going on in St. Louis. He got that scheduled. So now Chicago has to decide, are you going to do an Olympics where all these events are not going to happen?
1: Oh, or so like they would have chosen that over the Olympics.
0: Uh-huh. So at this time... When you've got all those events, then there's not much else left. So Chicago can either um, postpone it a year, they can go on with just these events, or they can just concede it. And that, and they gave in. And um, there was a gentleman named Baron Pierre de Coubertin of the International Olympic Committee. He was the leader of the IOC at that time. This Frenchman, given his name, he sounds French if I pronounce it correctly. And he sided with Sullivan and he sided with St. Louis. Yeah. you know
1: what's crazy? Because like nowadays, all he would have had to done is put like one point five of those million into the Olympic Committee's pockets.
0: Yes, and that would have been enough. like that the bribery, obviously the rate of bribery was a lot more expensive. Then. so so this goes on during the World's Fair. And this is the World's Fair that was depicted in uh, Meet Me in St. Louis, which is a movie that has, like, a ton of irony and unintentional comedy these days because it's about a family that has the chance to leave St. Louis to move to New York. And they think that's a terrible, miserable idea because St. Louis is really awesome and they want to stay there and they don't want to go to New York, so... um, So, you can kind of imagine how that worked out. But because of this World's Fair, this Olympics goes on for four and a half months, and it's just ridiculous.
1: Four and a half months?
0: I'm not exaggerating. It was a four and a half month long Olympics.
1: The Olympics lasted longer than my longest relationship.
0: (laughs) The Olympics lasted longer than the NBA playoffs in the giving year. Oh, no. (laughs) Not longer than an NBA season, though. Barely. Your longest relationship was how long?
1: Look, we're not here to talk about my life. Talking about the 1904 Olympics. That's
0: right. This is not a gossip website. (laughs) Curious
1: sport. I would have gotten the silver medal if four and a half months was the winning time.
0: Well, the guy who won this marathon finished. There have been. 1,421 recorded times in Olympic marathon, in men's Olympic marathon history. This guy finished 1,398.
1: I think we would be doing a disservice to our listeners if we don't, if we don't explain it, if we don't just go, like, there was a, there are results, like, you, you can look it up on Wikipedia, you can Google it. There is a gold, there's a silver, there's a bronze medal. All USA runners, Thomas Hicks, Albert Corey, Arthur Newton. Thomas Hicks' time was, what, three hours, 28 minutes, and 53 seconds? Yes. He beat Albert Corey by a little over six minutes. Yes. And then he beat Arthur Newton by about 19 minutes. So all of them, how long is a marathon?
0: 26 miles.
1: 26 miles. The gold medal winner, Thomas Hicks, ran... 26 miles at slightly above eight minutes a mile pace. Wow. That's not great. When you consider at the time that is saying he is the best runner in the entire world, which is what the Olympics are designed to tell you.
0: Right. But this, this was not five. (laughs) There there were 600. that's, That's crazy. There were, there were 630 athletes competing at this Olympic. That's it. And 523 were American. Okay. 12 nations, 12 whole nations. You got to remember, you'd have to take like a boat or the Titanic across the ocean. And then you've got to take a thousand mile train trip on top of that. Pretty far to go. Like you've got to really be into it. You got to want it.
1: These guys are runners. Shouldn't they be able to like run their way there?
0: Well, I'm glad you brought that up because the hero of our story is the man who did just
1: that. Yeah, not all competitors ran for a nation ish.
0: Yes, Felix Carvajal. Like, every good story has a hero, and in... you got to love this guy. He was, um, he was from Cuba. He was a mailman, and he would run his route every day. And he would make money by just putting on – people, I guess, would pay money to watch him run all over the place. And, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you could watch that. Did he do it shirtless at least? Well, yeah, his outfit is a story in itself, what he ran in during that, but – shirtless running season sure um they they say he ran the entire length of cuba once and if that is true then he would have ran all the way from new orleans to st louis because cuba did not acknowledge him they rejected his efforts to he lobbied them to represent the nation at the olympics they they didn't go for it they didn't pay him so he like took up a collection just running around he did like a running go fund me in nineteen oh four and he gets enough money to get on a steamship to St. Louis or not to, to New Orleans. And when he gets to New Orleans he loses all the money he has gambling.
1: <laughs> Do you know what he gambled?
0: It was um it was dice. So he so he loses all his money on a roll of the dice. And he's gotta go the rest of the way by just running and hitchhiking and getting on trains and stowing away and he makes it and he makes it to a point where he's in long johns and a belt and a really kind of button down shirt and a beret and he, i'm pretty sure he's dressed in his mailman outfit like he's got formal clothes and boots and he's gonna run in that because he has no other clothes and an American discus thrower comes up to him and like, makes them makeshift, makeshift shorts, so at least... He-
1: in other words, what you're telling me, he was the modern-day creator of jorts.
0: Yes, jorts were invented that day
1: in St. Louis. Uh, the breakaway pants? Were you, uh, did you ever have those khakis that you could zip off the bottom for when you didn't know if it was hot enough to wear like pants or shorts?
0: No, I've, ne- I've never heard of
1: such a contrast. Those are a thing. I I think I even owned a pair in middle school. And literally like it it went around like a zipper just like a like the way you would zip up your denim jeans or whatever and you could zip off your legs. Just they became they went from pants to shorts.
0: I like the I like the concept. I like the idea in theory. No you don't. I'm not sure if I like
1: I'm just telling you no you don't.
0: Well what about capri pants? Are those
1: shorts or pants? Uh, you should also not wear capri pants. I've never owned a pair of capri pants. Good job. Or do you think they cut him up so much that he, like, had the first form of Daisy Dukes?
0: No, no. They were, like, below the knee.
1: Are you sure? Our basketball players didn't even wear shorts below the knee till like, the 80s.
0: Well, they were close to the knee. They weren't, you know, denim underwear like the Daisy Dukes are today. Yeah. Or like they were in the 70s. So, I mean, that is where the name comes from. I'm guessing mid-thigh. From what I saw in the pictures, it seems that way. But what <laughs> was really interesting about this dude is he just, like... Obviously, the the man had a lot to overcome and he was basking in the limelight and he's he's stopping to talk to people during the race. This man who's running in jorts or running in thigh highs or thigh length shorts and his beret, he's in the middle of the race, he's just stopping to talk to spectators because everyone else is kind of like, from what they say, everyone else kind of like struggled and they were like collapsing from the heat and humidity. And he like floated across the finish line. He just felt like it was nothing.
1: And tell me if I'm wrong about this: the man had not ate before coming to the Olympics. Like he hadn't ate for a little while. He stopped at an orchard midway through the run.
0: Yes. First, he um he went to a car that had peaches, and he stole peaches out of a car. <laughs> I'm yeah. I know. Listen, our listeners all committed theft. Been documented. We're not making any of this crap up. Like this is all real. So he he seriously steals peaches, and he's running around eating the peaches, and that wasn't enough. So because well yeah because he's penniless he's starving. So he stops in an apple orchard. He steals some apples from the orchard, and he gets stomach cr- bad apples. Really yeah. bad apples. There's there's bad apples in every bunch. <laughs> And one account said he vomited and he had food poisoning. Another account I read that he had stomach cramps. Either way, he took a nap in the middle of a race in an apple orchard. So
1: I, just, I just want to recap real quick the score. He lost all he came from Cuba, lost all his money in New Orleans, made it there penniless to St. Louis without a country. He never, never ran stole peaches me- from a car. Yes. Yeah. Stole bad apples from an orchard. Got possible food poisoning. Took a nap. He finished fourth in this race. Yes. Fourth. One off the medal.
0: So if he didn't stop taking a nap, and if he wasn't mingling and socializing with his fans, he probably would have won.
1: And that does speak to a, it was not a fun afternoon for a marathon. The race started in the afternoon. The temperature, I do believe, reached 92 degrees Fahrenheit. Humidity in the 90s which meant a heat index of 135 degrees.
0: You know, from what I've been told, if the heat index is 105, you just do not exercise outside.
1: But thankfully for marathons, Paul, they provide a lot of drinking water throughout the race for their competitors.
0: Right, and this one had, they only had water at the six and 12 mile mark, and that was it. Do we we want to tell the audience why? Nope. (laughs) Okay. All right, so uh, Felix Carvajal finished fourth. Never ran a sanctioned race before, and he never ran a sanctioned race again.
1: He's not the only one that would only run this race once. But Felix probably didn't even have the hardest day of the entire race. While, you know, the Olympics are known for setting records and, you know, having first. The 1904 Olympics, this marathon represented the first two black Africans to compete in the Olympics. Two uh Taswana tribe tribesmen. Uh Lin Tao and Yamasami? Yamasani?
0: Yeah, your uh pronunciation is about as good as mine.
1: <laughs> Alright, so we'll go with uh Lin Tao and Yamasani. Yan Masha, yeah. I they're, they're... I have the real name and I have what they went by.
0: All right. Well, all right. There were, there were Boer war veterans. They were Boer war runners were okay. messages. And the only reason they were there is because this goofy ass, um, world fair decided to recreate the Boer war with actual people who were in the Boer war. So I'm sure that was a lovely and wonderful experience for all. And, um, you know, when you've got only 12 countries here, you need participants for this marathon. And when you make the ingenious idea of starting a marathon at 3 p.m., the hottest point of the day, on an extremely hot day, then, again, you're going to need participants. So these two guys ran in it, and and, and Tan is the guy that got chased. He was chased a mile off course by...
1: I say he had a disappointing day. They actually expected him to do a lot better, but for some reason, he ran into some trouble.
0: Yes, this race was not, um, I guess now would be the perfect time as ever because I haven't covered this yet. This race was not like a sanctioned course and all the runners were on this stretch of land or territory or whatever dedicated to the, it was, they took four laps around a track in a stadium and then they went out on the St. Louis streets and they had to deal with cars and this was, you know, very primitive cars as it was 1904. Delivery wagons, railroads, trolley cars, people out walking their dogs. And some of these dogs were a little wild and rabid. And um, you know, Tan got chased over a mile off course by a wild dog.
1: I think it's very important to just like, think about that for a second. And an athletic competition, the Olympics, how we think of them nowadays, a dog was able to chase a participant off course for a mile. Yes. There wasn't a single person around to be like, stop that dog. The dude just had to outrun it. Well, you know, the thing that makes that
0: really offensive and sickening and frightening is that, yes, there was that too. Like the cat acuse.
1: Fuck dogs.
0: Yeah, the cat gets it. The thing that made it really messed up was you had all these pacer cars or whatever following along the runners. You had support automobiles, so none of them bothered to help out this guy. Like, they didn't have, like, something to scare off the dog in the car.
1: But to be honest, what you just let us into was someone that had, somehow, miraculously, this dude who was running an Olympics without being planned, chased by a dog, probably scared for his life, had a better day than William Garcia.
0: Oh, my God. William Garcia was considered to be one of the favorites to, to do well in this race, and... If it wasn't for a car, if it wasn't for a, a, a motorist who passed by, he he probably would have died. He was found in a ditch lying unconscious, and he inhaled so much dust because these roads were not... This wasn't asphalt they were running on. There was cracked stone, and there was uh, dirt and dust, and with these cars supporting the runners obviously not supporting the African men because they didn't really, but all right, supporting the other guys, they, they kicked up all this dust and so much dust got into William Garcia's lungs that it burned through his esophagus and
1: burned just, through
0: melted the stomach casing. Yeah,
1: that is insane. But, but <laughs> I would say- we were literally just following a car and other runners and the roads were so bad and dry that he breathed in enough of that to nearly kill him.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's St. Louis, man. (laughs) It's St. Louis. This is what happens when they get in Olympics, and this is as much effort and planning as they put into it.
1: It was such bad conditions that it's almost hard to blame the man who nearly won this race, who nearly had a gold medal put around his chest.
0: Yeah, he's a guy that, I don't know if he's hero or villain, because
1: i think he's a genius i i think just flat out like superstar like in today's world he would be like he'd run things
0: it is pretty funny this is the ultimate this is trolling before uh you know 100 years before the word ever existed record doors. Yeah, I-
1: this, this is my favorite part of the story. It, everything about it is just so nonchalant. And like, he's the only person that has like a modicum of just like, this is what you should do. Like this event was crazy. There's, it's a 26 mile per hour or 26 mile marathon, 130 degree heat index. You're just sweating, losing everything in your body. Half the people like don't have shoes. They haven't ate. They're all dying. And this guy is just, just like, he had the right attitude. Just
0: Yeah. Yeah actually you nailed it you completely nailed it i think out of everybody involved well the cuban guy was pretty awesome too though i think
1: no he was great like he he it would have been a great buddy comedy
0: yeah i mean these two really kind of they get it like it somehow they somehow were able to look back at this event later and see the absurdity of it and handle it correctly um i just one last thing on william garcia He did recover. He was fine. And he actually raced again. So that's a good story.
1: Okay. He's one of the few that raced again.
0: Yes. Now this guy that we're talking about did race again. And that story in itself given what happened to him.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I think we need to run over it because this guy for a small part in American time, he was a gold medal medal winner of this race. They had the pageantry out. They were ready to crown him.
0: Fred Lohr's Ran nine miles, started cramping, dropped out, felt he couldn't go on. Took a support car. Was following him. Just got in the car and it happily,
1: happily yeah. in the car.
0: He he was like, it's hot as all get out. It's way too hot. I'm not feeling this. This is. I'm done. I'm done.
1: As he drove pie, the other runners, he waved at them like in a beauty pageant.
0: In fact, so much so that like he even demoralized some of his competitors. (laughs) (laughs) So his car ends up breaking down because, again, this is run on crazy streets without that aren't paved and just, just horribly planned. And it's it's hot as hell that day and humid as hell. So he's standing there waiting and it's going to be a long time before someone comes to take him and whoever else is in the car back to the stadium.
1: If I'm not mistaken, this is about the 19th mile of the race.
0: That's correct. It was was approximately around there. So and he's feeling good because (laughs) he's
1: 10 miles of a ride. You feel real like you feel refreshed. You're like, I need to walk this off.
0: So He's just going to start running again.
1: Yeah, it's quicker than walking.
0: So he starts running back to, was it called Francis Field? Is that the stadium? Sure. Well, it is now, I guess.
1: Soon to be Busch Gardens.
0: Yes, soon to be um, home of the St. Louis Football Cardinals. (laughs) Actually, I think this was by SLU. I think this this was all... This was all in the suburbs, but... um,
1: It finished back in the stadium.
0: Yeah, so... All right, so... He, yeah, so... Oh, well, actually, that's really important that we bring that up, because people watching this, the people who braved the 135 heat index to watch this, they saw a bunch of guys run, like, four or five laps around a track, then disappear for a while, and then they
1: come back to finish it. For a long while, like, three hours.
0: <laughs> so I really hope they brought, like, a book to read or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: So, so they're
0: in the stadium for a long ass time waiting for the runners to come back. And Fred Lors is making his way, and because he had the advantage of riding in the car for ten miles. <laughs> <he didn't
1: laughs> He just comes running into the stadium like, hey, guys, I'm here. Oh, no one's here yet? Oh.
0: We've got no drones. We've got no smartphones. We've got the only thing that can out this guy. <laughs> just pure eyewitnesses. <laughs> word is their bond.
1: <laughs> well, they're, his car broke down. He's an Olympic runner. I'm sure no one kept up with him.
0: So he's running into the stadium. And he's just like, hey, all the, he's feeding off the crowd.
1: Right. They're they're cheering like a madman, I'm sure. Just like, you're awesome. Wow.
0: So he's like, okay, I'm going to go with it. And I'm going to win. I'm going to win this thing.
1: <laughs> in all fairness, like, if you're in that situation, are you really going to say no?
0: Yeah, I, um, I, I like this guy a lot. I... <laughs> <laughs> I honestly think that he kind of improvised this. I don't think he had a plot. I think he just kind of. no.
1: Yeah, it was. It's just kind of like, well, I, I'm i rested now. I can run back there. There's probably water at the stadium. There's none on the race path.
0: Yeah, terrible. Just abomination while there was no water.
1: and And like, I think like, I don't know if we painted the picture enough. Like he ran into the stadium. Everyone's cheering. He crosses the finish line. He takes a photo with Alice Roosevelt, Theo's, you know, President Roosevelt's daughter, Mm -hmm. and they are about to put the gold medal on him.
0: They are about to crown him as the champion and the winner of the race. And that demoralized the guy who did win because this guy, Thomas Hicks, saw him, like, sit by, and they're like, wow, this guy, because the real winner was in miserable shape, just falling apart. And he sees Fred Lohrers, who's just kind of, like, Wow, did this guy even (laughs) break a sweat?
1: Yeah, looking just delighted.
0: So, so he's he's about to be crowned champion, and eventually he gets outed, or he outed himself. I'm I'm not quite sure. How how did he get outed? Did he out himself?
1: As soon as it was presented to him, like as the other runners and witnesses, like he's like, yeah, no, yeah, I didn't, yeah, I didn't run the whole thing. Like, yeah, there was no like he never said. Like, yeah, I ran all this. He was just kind of like, okay, give me the gold medal. Sure, I'll take it.
0: Right. There was no.
1: Yeah. There was no. It wasn't planned beforehand that he was going to take a ride for 10 miles and then run it out. He just kind of ran back to the stadium and they're all like, rah, 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 I, I, who can resist the party?
0: I guess it's like, yeah, if you win something or you're handed something that you didn't earn and you're going to be like.
1: It's not like he didn't run 17 miles. It's a long
0: time. And the thing is, he wasn't. When he got to the stadium, he wasn't like, "Oh, now I'm gonna cheat and claim this." He 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 was winging it the whole time.
1: And yeah, and I'm sure he was still tired. He Uh, ran the last nine miles. It's more than I could run in a row or seven miles.
0: I've never ran anything beyond a 10k. So, if he, (laughs) he, you know, these people do a half marathon, uh, I think that's brave. I think that's bold.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, regardless of winner or loser, he's still a hero.
0: Yeah, so he gets a lifetime ban for what he did because apparently the Olympic Committee didn't find it funny, even though we find it hilarious.
1: Yeah, but I, 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 I think the thing that distinguishes all, or that extinguishes all of his blame is eventually they let him back into racing. They realized right the lifetime he got caught up in the moment. It wasn't like he was planning to do this. Yeah, like I mean, he
0: was just having a joke. It was fun, and then a, yeah. he apologized a few months later. They reinstated him his lifetime ban was gone and he won the 1905 boston marathon
1: and that leads us to thomas hicks yeah our gold medal winner of the 1904 summer olympics marathon who honestly might have had the worst run out of all of them i I, his journey was horrific
0: yeah it doesn't help that he had like the dumbest manager in the history of all
1: he was a science project running a marathon I, think, I, I mean, there's one place to obviously start about this. It's the joke we started at the beginning of this podcast. But I'm going to let you like they, He had trainers. There were people responsible for him every leg of the way. And how did they how did they combat these tough positions of running a marathon?
0: With raw eggs, brandy and strychnine, i.e. rat poison.
1: I, I mean, strychnine sounds like the thing in Cat's Cradle that nearly destroyed everyone. And it's pretty much that bad in real life. Strychnine is rat poison. So what was that concoction again? The St. Louis brew?
0: The St. Louis cocktail, for all you Cardinal fans, because I know a lot of you are going to be listening to this, is uh, brandy, raw eggs, no water, and strychnine.
1: (laughs) Specifically, no water. Just, nah. Just, if you... We don't need to cut this. Pure strychnine.
0: Yeah, if you get dehydrated, sorry, there's no water for you. Because Thomas Hicks was given no water, so you have to have... That actually, i if you could try to limit all... I mean, not limit, but if you could take a synopsis of all the crazy stuff in the story... I think the fact that rat poison, strychnine, was a stimulant and it was like the idea that it was commonplace to give a runner that, that might be the wildest part of this whole story, I think.
1: I, 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 you know, one of my favorite sports writers who really got me into sports running was Hunter S. Thompson. You know, I love the Kentucky Derby story. I love all the stories in Vegas. All of them, and I was always impressed by how he could be like on these mind-numbing, altering drugs, and write a story. This dude fucking run a marathon like Hunter S. Thompson writes a sports article, tripping balls on rat poison.
0: Yeah, towards the end, he was completely delusional and
1: couldn't even run. Right? What he, he was stand up? Yeah, the winner, uh, we they they ended up, you know, they they stripped Fred Lores of his of his title because he didn't run the whole thing sure but thomas hicks crossed the finish line being held by his trainers as he pantomimed with his legs running and they decided that was close enough
0: right and he was a man given alcohol brandy and rat poison
1: you're drinking apple brandy right now correct which is very apropos of the story
0: i'm doing this for thomas hicks i do Do you me brandy is like something the men and the highest class of the Titanic had with cigars in a smoking room or I don't
1: yeah. do you feel better prepared for a marathon because of it?
0: I don't know if I could even do like a point zero two five k right now with with brandy.
1: could you walk to the other side of your apartment right now on brandy?
0: Probably <laughs> the cat might have to hold me up I think
1: <laughs> but that like it's. How
0: is that acceptable? For some reason, this was considered. Do you remember the supplement Ripped Fuel, Ephedra? No. Ripped Fuel was a supplement, just an over the counter thing you'd get in like a GNC. It was Ephedra. And, you know, Ephedra is pretty dangerous. And I guess in those days, Strychnine had a quality that um, was a, just a really high grade stimulant in small doses would make you a better runner. Now, that that is the rationale there. The the rationale with brandy, for some reason, I mean, because they gave him brandy two or three times. I don't know if that's supposed to chase the strychnine or... Because my, my brandy that I'm drinking right now has no strychnine in it. I just want to put that on the record. I am not having rat poison right now. But the funny part was they gave him raw eggs and no water and instead of water, they sponged out his Mouth. I, I, I. This is so. I know. Like, if, we're not making any of this up. It's so insane. Like
1: Rocky red rat poisoning.
0: Right. Rocky yeah. meets rat poison meets Gilded Age um, robber baron.
1: Alcoholic. Yeah. Just.
0: I mean, because brandy that is like the drink of like 1890s robber barons, right? Like, who drinks that?
1: Yeah. I've bartended for the last seven years. I've made one brandy drink in my entire life. I. I. That's a gold medal winner. That's how weird the 1904 is. It's not just the weird people that fell away that didn't qualify that even finished fourth. The winner was on rat poisoning, brandy, raw eggs, and was carried to the finish line.
0: At least his trainers wouldn't let him quit. He tried to quit several times. (laughs) His trainer's like, nah, you're going to push on. And this is true. He lost eight pounds in the process of running this race. Wow. And he collapsed. He fell unconscious. It took him an hour to revive him after he crossed the finish line.
1: The doctor saved his life right inside the stadium.
0: Yes. And he took two, two to three milligrams of, of strychnine. One more dose definitely would have killed him. Uh, he never raced again. And that is your gold medal litter.
1: So I, I think it's important, like weird stories. This is all very strange, but all stories need two things. They need a protagonist. And they need an antagonist. Our bad guy of the story wasn't on the racetrack. No. Who is our bad guy of the story?
0: That would be James Edward Sullivan.
1: Ooh. The guy who made this all happen.
0: Yes, he's the puppet master. He's the guy who oversaw all of it. And he was the guy that got the Olympics moved there. And he is in the track and field hall of fame today. Should be booted out of the hall of fame but he's there he was eventually after this race he became secretary of the usoc the united states olympic committee he set this up as a giant science science experiment he could have killed all these people because this
1: was all about purpose now we've alluded to it but what was the science experiment exactly
0: he only put two water sources which was and the wa- those water sources gave you dysentery because it was well water. And it, I mean, it's 1904, so you can imagine. And it's St. Louis. You can imagine what the drinking water is like.
1: Shots fired
0: again. Yeah, yeah, I said it. Yeah, I said it. Come at me, Cardinals fan. Um, so he made him guinea pigs in his just psychotic social experiment.
1: To run 26 miles with that little water alone, let alone if <laughs> brandy, rat poison, raw eggs that's your winner folks so now the question becomes who is our hero
0: um well i i forgot to mention a couple of guys that dropped out that even made this happen in the first place which kind of set the stage john lorden won the won the 1903 boston marathon and he was the favorite in this race but he dropped out after 10 miles and he was vomiting profusely and then another guy named michael spring who el- who was also considered to be a favorite dropped out After 10 miles after running up a hill so um so that kind of so you already you already had a diluted field to begin with you had not a lot of runners you had the main favorites dropping out um thomas hicks has to be our hero in the sense that he persevered beyond
1: anyone else he survived rat poison no actually you know what no 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 he didn't even finish the race he was carried to the finish.
0: Yeah, but by that point he couldn't even see straight, and by that point he was like, "So go to a
1: hospital, not the finish line." These dumbass coaches win a lot of them. I, just can't go there. I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna go with, uh, I'm gonna go with Carvajal. What was his name?
0: Well, he, he, his, he's got a lot of names.
1: Andorin Carvajal is what I see. But what did you say his nickname was?
0: Well, he he had a lot of names, but I just I'm just going with Felix Carvajal.
1: Okay. I, 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 To me, there's two obvious choices. It's either Felix Carvajal, who finished fourth with a lot of style, went through an orchard, stole some peaches, had dysentery possibly, took a nap, and still finished fourth. Or Frederick Loris, who just, I, for, for a, he finished at three minutes and 13 minutes, or three hours and 13 minutes. So he was, for 15 minutes, he was the gold medal winner, and he did it in style. He had the time of his life while every other runner went through hell.
0: I'm with you on that.
1: So, I, you know, I'm going to give it to him because, you know, Carvajal probably should have run the race. Don't take a fucking nap.
0: I agree. It's your one shot at glory. You've never (laughs) run a sanctioned race. You never ran again. And you're mingling with the spectators and you just take a nap in the middle of it. That's pretty.
1: Yeah, he is the classic hair. Just Don't be an asshole and you win this race
0: It's kind of funny though In that he seems to, from all accounts He's the one guy who like Had a good time (laughs) He's the one guy who enjoyed Competing, he enjoyed The process of sports But I'm with you with Lourdes Because he's the the guy who treated The event in the amount Of seriousness that it
1: deserved Yeah, yeah, you're right, and I think that is That is a key to life Know your situation, know how serious you have to be, how, how serious you have to take it, and just go from that. Uh, the guy who should be most pissed is Albert Corey. He's the second-place finish in the most interesting race of all time, and we don't have a single story about him. And he didn't even get a gold medal for it. And I don't know, six-minute difference, he probably didn't get a watch Hicks the whole— I, I'm sure at some point he he probably saw Hicks being carried by the trainers in front of him. Like, that is not a good feeling.
0: Yeah, he's only six minutes behind. He saw it the whole way. Yeah.
1: On his own legs. Like he used his legs the entire time.
0: He's, so he's got a right to be angry.
1: Yeah. And if you're angry, you're not the you're not you're not the winner in this race. So you know what? I think we have to say the hero of the story is Frederick Lores. Title the winner the gold medal in our hearts of the nineteen oh four Olympics, the weirdest race of all time.
0: I can I can agree with that.
1: Right. I'm glad we got there.
0: Uh, Paul, hey, is there, I, when I, when the system itself is absurd, and you've got somebody exposing the system for what it is, you gotta side with them.
1: That would make such yeah. a wonderful thirty for thirty, which is why we're doing this podcast. We want to cover these weird stories. Um, this story, obviously, you know, had eighteen different avenues to run down. I, once again, brat poisoning. That's a thing that runners used to be on. But I, I is there anything we have left off? Because I know I. I I I when we first went over the story I was I just the basic peruse left me with like five pages of notes so so Paul I don't, I think on a race that had you know he, like you were talking about the Indy 500 they only turned left this story turned about 500 different ways and they were all weird but I think we've covered most of them and you know I what we hope to do with the series is to cover more stories like this. If you have any idea stories, go ahead and comment on one of our Twitters. Uh, Paul, on Twitter, you are Paul M. Banks? Yes, at Paul M. Banks. I'm at Paul M. Banks. I am at Casey Bartley HR. I am a writer for Hammer and Rails. <laughs> Paul is a writer over at the net, And by writer, I mean owner, writer, photographer, do-everything man there.
0: Yes, proprietor no renaissance man. We?
1: <laughs> and uh, do you have anything coming up that you want to go ahead and plug and talk about?
0: Um, I'm working on a book. Are you? Yeah. I, I compiled, um, I've compiled some of my greatest hits and what I've learned about working in the sports media industry over a decade. And I hope to get it done by the end of the year. That'd be nice.
1: All right. So everyone pray for Paul's heart, soul, and mindset.
0: It's all about time management.
1: I think the lesson we learned today if you ever run out of steam and you're out of rat poison, just have your team pick you up and carry you to the finish line. That's how you get a gold medal.
0: We gotta have, like find Thomas Hicks's descendants and like have
1: them.
0: <laughs> the better get Fred Lores and Felix Carvajal's descendants and have them on.
1: Yeah, I just want. Yeah, I just want like pictures of them, like stories about what they did afterwards. I think that's we'll have a like a what do you call it after like a postscript of things we find out about the stories we've covered
0: the epilogue the there you go epilogue no but really i do want people to tweet us with
1: ideas. do yeah no absolutely tweet us with any weird stories that you know of uh the weirder the better we're just here to you know you you can find you can find stories and takes about all the stuff going on currently but like, like this shows there have been some weird ass shit that you would never imagine actually happened most of this stuff like when paul was telling me this first time i assumed he made it up it's real these things happen those are the stories we want to cover so if you hear about that let us know hit us up on twitter um this will be up on monday we hope to do this every week or two um you know rate us review us comment all of that good stuff let us know what you think about you this sure episode.
0: Share it with your friends. Get it out.
1: Yes. Share it with everyone. Give us money if you want to give us money. I don't know how. Um, run into us yeah. in the streets, hand online. us like a $20 bill.
0: An online tip jar. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. The other day, I, I went into the little cafe at my gym. And your gym has a cafe. Well, it's in the building. It's well, yeah, A lot of gyms have cafes. That's not real. Well. Again,
1: to be honest, we don't know where we're going with this, but we're excited about the concept. We enjoyed this. We're going to enjoy doing, continuing to do it, finding stories, talking about it, just having conversations about weird stuff. Uh, this has been Let's Get Weird Sports yeah. with my buddy Paul M. Banks. Check him out at thesportsbanks.net. I'm Casey Bartley. I write for hammerandrails.com. You can find my stuff there. And as the Irish singer-songwriter Eden says, I'm not singing for your XOs. I'm just singing because it's over. (laughs) Have a good night.